This is Kate Beckinsale. You're listening to Beckinsale. There are 35 pages and 124 illustrations in the average comic book. A single issue ranges in price from $1 to over $140,000. 172,000 comics are sold in the U.S. every day. The average collector owns 3,312 comics and will spend approximately one year of his or her life reading them. This is their story. Beckinsale. Way to go, Joel. Oh, thank you. Are, you are wow, very impressive. Amazing. Thank you. What, thank you. what a wide array of skills you have. <laughs> I appreciate like, that. Like talking loudly and then talking quietly sometimes. Did M. Night Shyamalan write that? Uh, well, I may have gotten inspiration from M. Night Shyamalan's title card to Unbreakable Yes. He's now writing for Bacon Cell. M. Night Shyamalan is yes. writing for Bacon Cell? Uh-huh. He's in need of work. So let it be known, so let it be written. Put that in the promo. <laughs> We'd like to thank you for listening to our last episode, our Saturday Night Live episode. Yeah. Did we say I'm Joel? No, we didn't. I'm Joel. I'm Kent. And Jacob. <laughs> and welcome. And we'd like to thank you for listening to last there week's is. episode. It felt wrong. About Saturday Night Live. There, a lot of people were sharing some of their favorite sketches. And some people were saying, you didn't include this one. To which I yeah. said, I talked about that on the show. So next year, should we do another show? Mm, two years. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to push it out two years? <laughs> well, it either needs to be in like a few months. Jacob, we or... got to we do it before SNL gets canceled. Oh, Yo. so sad. Oh, too soon. Uh, but Cindy Rose Garrett said, I loved this episode. All caps unloved. I've been religiously watching SNL through the good years and the bad years. To which I say, that's exactly Cindy who we were doing this show for. Yeah, totally. People who were able to watch it. I mean, I haven't watched every episode, but at the same time, I didn't need to. Uh, also, need to Joel, you and I, we went through the characters or th- through the actors because we were saying on the show like how many we could guess. Yes. And I only say like 25. Yeah. And I we, said you could we easily doubled that when well, we went so through it. We did a little competition at work on a break <laughs> at work. Yeah. Where, a uh, mental break. We said, okay, we just need to kind of see how many actors we can name from SNL because they have 151 cast members. How many can we name? And we gave ourselves a time limit and then we came up and I had about 50. Yeah. And you had 61. 61. Yeah. I didn't count the 62, but because you doubled so I, I did two John Belushi's so just for fun. John Belushi and Jim Belushi. Yeah. But yeah, so we thank you for listening to that. And also uh, thank you to everyone who supports us via Patreon. In fact, we have a little thank bit you of a giveaway. Uh, if you remember, Scary Date Night with Bacon Sale. Scary Date Night with Bacon Sale. That's exactly uh. what I just said. <laughs> Jake, you were supposed to be there. I know. I was off. Uh, uh, Joel, Joel didn't set it up right. Come on, oh, Joel. Oh. That's his fault. Do it again. There he scared. You're supposed to add that in post. <laughs> I'll, there you that's, go. that's what that was. No, it was, yeah, it was so after. good. I couldn't tell the difference. So wrong. <laughs> uh, so uh, what it is is if you are a patron of Bacon Cell and you can become anyone can become a patron of Bacon Cell uh, for only three dollars a month, you get access to exclusive bacon bits where we talk about random stuff like Jacob spilling diet squirts all over comic books. Yeah. Yes. If, <laughs> if that sounds like thrilling content to you, listener, you need to but be a patron. we put them out like almost every week, at least every other week. So if you yep. need a little more extra bacon sell, $3 a month will get you that. And then there's a bunch of other perks that come with being patron as well. But if anyone from the $3 range all the way up to the Bacon Council, anyone in there is going to be entered into a drawing October 1st. Yes. You'll be entered into a drawing to win an activity with us where we will go to yes. a haunted house and to dinner, all of us together. And you will like it. Or something else if you don't like it. If you don't like dinner, we don't have to do dinner. (laughs) You don't like food? What's wrong with you? Also, if you're a new patron or you upgrade in the month of September, we have this new little campaign that we call Torture Jake. Torture Jake. Unfortunately, some people have already gotten behind this, so I've got a list of some things I have to do. So you can recommend a food or you can recommend a bad movie. Yep. 
make it the worst movie you could possibly find. That's or just something it, you want me to review and talk about on the show. If it's horror <clears> influence, <throat> that would be great because it is the season. Yeah. Yeah. And in fact, we it do have sense. a new patron, another person who is going to be entered into our scary date night with bacon sandwich. Uh, I need the real thunder sometime. And then also they're going to be able to torture Jake, and that is Duncan Jewel. Duncan Jewel. Tier one name, Duncan. Well, way to go. Name. He's great also name. a tier one guy. I don't know if you knew that. I, I don't know. Yeah, he's been following uh, us, Radio Ronin, and back even back in the radio forever. Really? So welcome back, Duncan. Huh. And uh, thank you for being a patron of Bacon Sale. Speaking of patronage, what are we talking about today, Jacob? Today, it's time to talk about the thing Spencer loves. Yeah. That's what we're calling Who's Spencer? it. Spencer? Spencer's our guest. Say hi to Spencer, everyone. <laughs> hi, Spencer. Hi, Spencer. Spencer. Hi, I'm Vengeance. I'm now, can I ask you a question, Spencer? Yes. Because online, I know you as Spencer Michael Myers. That's correct. Do you go by Spencer Myers or do you go by Spencer Michael Myers? Yeah, I actually go by Spencer Myers. I can't go by Michael Myers. I've tried. But Spencer Michael Myers, especially in you Halloween. You should just lean into that. appropriate. I lean into yours, yeah. That's the only way you could do it. My dad knew what he was putting me into when he gave me that middle name. <gasps> he yeah. did. You were he born did. after 1978. Yeah. Well, and it's his middle name, too. So ah, I just heard a family arguing because their last name was Parker, and they really wanted one of them wants to name their son Peter. What's and, wrong with that? And well, the wife, the mom doesn't want to, right? But yeah, Michael Myers. Do you know it. why his name is Peter Parker? No, why? It's because Stanley could not remember names, so all the names for Marvel characters are alliterative. Ah, makes Bruce sense. Banner, Peter Parker, Captain huh. America. Not written by an Steve Rogers. By <laughs> yeah. 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 Wait different. a minute. Now I get uh, it. But, but yes, we can dig uh, into that. Spencer is here. Uh, he's a long time. He's been a, long, a supporter of Bacon Cell for a long time. Patron of Bacon Cell. He came to our Bacon Council dinner. He's he's a good guy. He got a song. He got a I'm song. A yes. Guy. Welcome to the decent, Bacon Decent. Somewhere between Council, good and decent. Spencer. We'll give him maybe awesome. I don't know. Somewhere in there. Yeah. Also, oh, are you about to introduce this? So no. his love is comic books, as you might have just inferred. Yeah, yes. one of my many loves. I actually host a podcast on it, but we wanted to dig into kind of the, the history of comic books, let people know some of the background so they could jump in. Well, it's funny because like years ago, oh, we can't get into this yet. What yeah. am I talking about? We years ago. We have questions many for years Spencer, ago. but we never forget. <laughs> I get test anxiety. Uh, okay, Spencer. This is really I'm going to rapid fire question right. these questions at you. I want First you to one that comes answers to mind. as quickly as possible. Don't overthink it. Even if you don't, haven't seen one of the options, you can just say one of them and just make one of us really happy and one of us really angry. <laughs> All right. But there's no right or wrong answer. Right, Ken? Remember when you said lightning round? Go ahead. <laughs> if there's no wrong answer, why are you holding a knife? <laughs> <laughs> That's just in case. Ready? Ready? Question one. Which is better, Karate Kid 1 or Karate Kid 2? Karate Kid 1. All right. <laughs> it's just one question. That's the only one I usually right. get. <laughs> Which is worse, Star Wars Episode 1 or Star Wars Episode 2? Star Wars Episode 2. Yes. Do you rate movies using stars or letter grades? Letter grades. Mm -hmm. Okay. Which is more America, Rocky Four or Independence Day? Rocky mm. Four. Mm -hmm. Okay. Is Night Before Christmas a Halloween movie or a Christmas movie? Halloween. Okay. Buffy or X-Files? Buffy. Nice. Okay. Lord of the Rings or Star Wars? Lord of the Rings, all the way. Yeah. Which movie is more Christmassy, Die Hard or Lethal Weapon? Die Hard. People just don't People know. People know. <laughs> of the Opera or Les Mis? Les Mis. Les And Labyrinth or Neverending Story? Neverending Story. That's very heavy, Ken. When you that need heavy a luck yeah. dragon, there's nothing better. I always need a luck dragon. Everybody needs a luck dragon. You don't get a luck dragon. You get a goblin king. 
<laughs> you I'm get okay with that. You're, you're very the babe. awkward. What babe? Babe with the power. What power? It's not going to do this right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Spencer, when you when you decided you were going to do a show uh, and talked about doing comic books, your podcast, Spirit of Thirty Eight, yeah, is exclusively about comic books. Correct. That is correct. Nice. And um, we we've referenced comic books here on the show because Kent. Has read a lot of them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I have some experience. Jacob, I don't know what your experience is with comic books. Uh, let me think. None. So, But it's okay. interesting because we talk about relevant pop culture now, and not a lot of people read comic books anymore. Well, that, that's what I was going to say before. I so got, we, we talk movies. Before mostly. I, I interrupt. That one hurts. Yeah. yeah before, I'm sorry, but it's kind of true. Before I interrupted myself with the questions, I was going to say, it's yeah. funny to me that it used to be back in the day, it was comic books, you know, comic books and superheroes yeah. and all that. Mm-hmm. It was just for the, the, the geeks and the nerds, you know, the side car- the side people. But then nowadays, it's mainstream Hollywood big business and a lot of movies that maybe people don't even realize are comic book adaptations. Yeah. And they're like, oh, I love this movie. And it's like, do you read comic books? No, I wouldn't do that. And it's like, well, it's the same story. Yeah. Just in print form. Oh, this started a long time ago. Men in Black. Yeah. Comic book movie. The Mask. Comic book movie. Mm-hmm. Could so. you give me some good examples, though? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Men in Black 1 is good. And one. The Mask is a classic comedy. Uh-huh. V for Vendetta. Comic book movie. Yeah. No, oh, I didn't know that. Um Snowpiercer, comic book movie. True story, yeah. Howard the Duck. Snowpiercer. Not a movie. That <laughs> never happened. Didn't it exist? <laughs> we yeah. probably erased it somewhere. It's not even real. But how I view this show, as we talked about, it's the history of comic books. And I think this is kind of, we're going to talk about the big two. But I also want to find out from you, Spencer, the indie stuff, the hipster comics, if you will. And kind of like how everything came to be. We're going to try to cram this in a regular episode of Bacon Cell, which we could probably spend a month But I want to say, this. even if you're not into comic books, consider this kind of an introductory course like we've done with... Like PlayStation, yeah. for example. Yeah, it's but like, honestly, it's good for anyone, whether they don't know anything about it. It'll be a good introduction. And if you're into comic books, we're going to talk about your loves. Should we call them comic books or should we call them graphic novels? What do you prefer? Uh, these yes. are comic books. They're comic book characters. These are different heroes. things, right? Okay. The best way I've heard it put was comic book characters, Superman, Batman, Spider-Man, Captain America. These are American mythology. Mm-hmm. The Greeks have the Greek gods. Mm-hmm. The Norse have the Norse gods and their their legends and their fables. Comic books, these are American fables. So you're saying there's I people like out there that believe that these uh, Superman and Batman are deity? Were like you in Kent? downtown Salt Lake last week? <laughs> I was in downtown. <laughs> I yeah. saw that, yeah. <laughs> All right. So yeah. that, I think that answers your question. It does. Um, so what we really wanted to do is kind of do a really high level introduction, give the history of comic books, because I feel like people appreciate a subject matter more when they can understand kind of the, the history where things come from. I would agree. And it gives you a good idea of where you can jump in. Can I, can I ask you real quickly, though, what was your beginnings of comic books? Like, how did you get started <sighs> into it? Okay, this is really lame how I got started. I actually got started through Legos. Okay. So back in, it was early 2000s. You built, you built your own comics out of Legos? No, no, not quite. Back in the early 2000s, they had the Lego magazine that they'd send you for free. And they're doing a cross promotion with their new Bionicle line. Mm. And DC sent comics along with the Lego magazine. I thought these were pretty cool. My dad saw me reading comics, bought me Spider-Man. Was he proud? Or was he like, oh, oh no. no, we've lost another one? My dad never read comic books. Okay. But he got a free one at work. He's like, my kid likes comic books. I'm going to bring him the Spider-Man comic. Yeah. It was the 35th anniversary of Spider-Man. It was a holographic cover and all that. Ooh. So I, I tore that things to shred, put comics away for a long time. And I went to, when I was about 12 years old, I went to California to visit family. And they didn't have anything better for me to do. So they said, kids like comics, boys like comics. We'll send them to a comic shop. Um, I was kind of getting into Batman at that at that time. Yes, you should. So I picked up a graphic novel of Robin to read on the plane home. I got home, went to my local comic shop, got a subscription box of Batman and Robin. 
And I've been collecting comic books since 12 years old until really now. Until now. Yeah. 14 years old. There was a few <laughs> <Yeah>. breaks <laughs> in between, you know, when I was in Rexburg, Idaho, uh-huh. there's no comic book shops up there. So I bought yeah. them digitally. Wait, there's no comic book shops there's in Rexburg? zero comic book shops in Rexburg. Idaho Falls? I think so. We that just, is the closest one. We just okay. found Jacob's business idea. There you go. Yeah. Comic shop. In, in, it's an open market for mm, it. I don't think it, it's too cold up there. <laughs> it's too cold it's for comic too cold books? For anybody you, up there. you lived there. I lived there way too long. It's very cold. <laughs> that doesn't mean Extremely anything. Cold. You know, they invented indoors, Jacob, right? <laughs> In fact, you can read comic books indoors. Can you? What? Yeah. What? Well, well, that's why I didn't like it. I was always trying to read outdoors. Ken, is your, I was going to say, is your comic book beginning similar? I started right at 12. My dad, I think he was trying to get me into comic books because I've always liked to read, but I, I also love to draw. Mm-hmm. And so my dad said, well, here's the perfect meld of both. And so he took me to the mall. We went and bought the Death of Superman. Is, is mall oh. one of those, uh, uh, like... Physical Amazon. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, a mall <laughs> is a building with many stores. Ah, okay, yes, yes. Side by side. Yes. Oh, I've yeah. seen that in movies. Like a strip mall. Family friendly. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so we actually, he bought me The Death of Superman because we read that in the paper. That was one of first comic books? That this was a big thing. And so I got it signed by the editor and I was kind of like, I always loved Superman based on the movie and, and cartoons I'd seen. Mm-hmm. But that was the first time, like, my first exposure was reading Superman Dying. Wow. And that explains I was like, so much about heavy. you. Yeah, it really does. And so after then, all I did was collect a few Superman ones, no Batman, straight X-Men. All I did was buy X-Men. And in X-Men 1 X-Men was... X-Men comics or X-Men? X-Men comics. <laughs> I bought X-Men. <laughs> You're mine so now, Jean Grey. <laughs> <laughs> but then I think I started to get a little insecure about it. I think at about 14, I yeah. quit reading comic books. Almost like wrestling, right? I think it's okay to like wrestling and comic books when Wait, you're really young. You wrestled until you and were then in when you're senior like, in high school. No, no. He was inviting me to wrestle just yesterday. <laughs> but then no Come la- on my trampoline. Later in later in high school when I stopped caring what people thought, that's when I started wrestling again. And I think that's when I started reading comics again. But it was really about like my mid twenties. I was like I started buying the graphic novels. And the just compilations of comic book stories. Uh-huh. And yeah, and I just started to get really into it and realize that there are great stories out there that you shouldn't like shame the medium, even though it's a lot of pictures. Well, Although, fun fact, this is just a yeah. fun fact about the death of Superman. Mm-hmm. Does anybody know why they decided to kill Superman at that specific time? I think it was just to gain readership. Like maybe Dwayne. Dwayne I think they were like dying, that? right? They were actually doing really well. Oh, okay. Selling wise because they had Lois and Clark on the television. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was actually cross promotion. Second best They Superman were going right to have... There. Oh, Lois and Clark yeah. were going to get married in the TV show, and they were going to have it coincide with the comics, but they needed to kill a few months uh, before hmm. Superman could get married at the comics at the same time as on the TV show. So they said, why not kill him? Wow. Wait, they had to so, kill a few months, so they killed one of the greatest heroes of all time? Yep. And it changed comics for good. It changed comics. But we're jumping ahead, because I would like ahead. to start from the beginning, and since we mentioned Superman, and the name of your podcast is The Spirit of 38, could you please explain... The origin of comic books, or actually the origin of the Uber hero. Yeah. So, by the, the way, we're going to get in the weeds in this one, so we'll try to hold well, back a little that's bit. That's what I wanted to bring up is you two are both heavy in the weeds of yes. graphic novels and comic books. My experience with comic books was scattered whatever I could find. Yeah. So, like, I'd go to my grandparents' house and they had a random Shazam comic or Captain Marvel comic, mm-hmm. and so I'd read that. And then I had one that was like the Batman family, and it had like a bunch of different stories in this mini yeah. comic book. And like, whatever I could find, I'd read, but I never went to a comic book store and sought them out. You never clung on to one hero and said, I need to buy that T-shirt or get that backpack or anything? No, the merch, sure, but never Mm -hmm. comic books. It was always whatever I could get. 
but nowadays I, I try like I enjoy comic books. I've checked out a, a bunch of the yeah, classic ones from the library because I'm like, I should probably read The Killing Joke, you know, just the, to see how it is. The best place to get into comic books, I'll just throw this out right now, is your local library. Yeah. Most of them will have a lot of what are called trade. Right. Which is a collection of a specific story arc. So if you want a good story from beginning to end, yes, that's a fantastic place to start. That's why it's so good because these uh, the graphic novels in the library, they take all these collections that came over months and months and months and months and put them in one book that you can read mm-hmm. start to finish. It's so good. And also they have, uh, you know, obviously more mature comics uh, where a little more violent language, things like that. But yeah. they also have ones for not even kids, but just like family friendly ones. Yeah. Too. Right in between. Yeah. And when we wrap up, I've got some recommendations of things you could do to introduce your kids to comic books. In fact, comic what about books introducing are, him to Jake? Uh, I would not recommend that at all. <laughs> <laughs> Good call. There's probably some comics out there Jake would like. Oh, <laughs> introducing Jake to comics. Yes. Not your kids. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well played. Well played. Seriously. Wow. Wow. I do have some comics that I could recommend to Jake. Joel, I actually brought some tonight. As long as there's no kids involved. <laughs> as long as no kids involved. I brought some tonight that I could show you afterwards. Kids? Specifically. <laughs> Here we go. Comics. Boy. For each one of you to, to specifically show you. And you could throw that up on Patreon. Well, and I want to bring this up, too, is that I know that some kids, uh, especially when they're younger, maybe struggle with liking reading. And comic books, at least I've found, are a great way to get your kids excited about reading because it's not that many words, but it tells a story. It's visual. Well, I can tell better stories, honestly. So, yeah. Joel, Let me try. specifically for you, this is one that I would recommend for kids. What is this that? This is called Bone. And no. it is recommended by a lot of people. He looks like an Elmer Fudd By a lot of character. experts, specifically for kids who struggle with reading uh-huh. and wanting to get into reading. Um, this is written and illustrated by Jeff Smith. He actually used to be an animator, so a lot of the panels flow like an animation. Oh, okay. The great thing about this is it's got lore that's super, super in-depth. It's almost Lord of the Rings depth oh, lore, wow. but still accessible for kids. Bone. So, by so this is Bone by Jeff Smith. Jeff Smith. And we learned from Dr. Matt really early on okay. when we started Bacon Cell that he uses, in therapy, he uses comic books to get people to read and to get people to relate to certain characters yeah. and archetypes. Yeah. And so, yeah, there, there's so much there. But Spencer, take us back to the beginning, if Let's you would. go back to the beginning. Come with me now to 1938. The reason that The Spirit of 38, my podcast, is called that is because that is when Superman was first introduced to the world. And Superman is the beginning of comics. Superman is not just the beginning of comics, the beginning of superheroes. Okay. So comics existed well before 1938. Uh, you had Tarzan that was in a comic form. You had a lot of these genre comics. Uh, Western comics, mystery, true crime comics. Uh, they weren't quite in vogue and they weren't really popular. Superman was the first popular superhero. Okay. And kind of the archetype for all superheroes that came from that point on. Um, he was invented by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster, mm-hmm. two Jewish boys growing up in New York. Uh, they were immigrants. So they kind of wove a lot of their personal story into Superman, who mm-hmm. they wanted to be. And kind of his immigration story was their immigration story. Something that people speculate is actually Joe Schuster's father was murdered oh. in New York. So he put like the, the elements of being bulletproof and being invulnerable. We could do a whole show on those. Wow. Two. We could do a whole show yeah. on those. And That's I've, interesting. I've done a whole show on that mm-hmm. if you want to listen to The Spirit of 38. But we're not here just to talk about Schuster and Siegel. Comic books have obviously evolved and grown. In fact, you start with DC. Um, Superman was introduced in action comics, and we're going to get to the DC part of that. But shortly after, 1941 is when Timely Comics started. Timely Comics evolved into Atlas Comics, and it eventually turned into Wait, when did Marvel Timely Comics, comics come out? 
This is about 1941. Doesn't seem very timely. Oh. <laughs> wow. Oh, timely comics will have their day in the sun, but that doesn't come for another 20 or so years. Stanley was actually at Timely Comics from the beginning. He was actually what was kind of a, a paper boy. So for the artists, he would run and grab new paper for them to continue drawing. He'd fill their inkwells. Really, whatever they needed him to do is what he did. That same year, 1941, is when Batman was introduced by the scoundrel Bob Kane. As you, I saw that in your presentation. Yes. So he's a scoundrel. Can you explain that? Because everyone, yeah. everyone calls Bob Kane the creator of Batman. So it, we'll put this in a presentation that you, the rest of patrons can see. We'll put it on patreon.com slash bacon sell. The Batman that Bob Kane, he, he really just wanted to cash in on the superhero craze because there were superheroes popping up left and right trying to imitate Superman. So he created a, a Batman that wore a red unitard, had mechanical wings, blonde hair, and a domino mask. What? Wait, a domino mask? What is a domino mask? A domino mask, mask is that, that superhero mask that just covers your eyes and that's it. Oh, like the Incredibles kind of put yeah, that on. Yeah, that's okay. a domino Hashtag mask. Hashtag not my Batman. Hashtag not your Batman. Not Hashtag anyone's Batman. Not anyone's Batman. Hashtag dominoes. <laughs> Wait, well, so how long did he actually last? Bob this, Kane? This, this version of... This, not Bob Kane. That, <laughs> this yeah, version of Batman. Batman. This first Batman didn't even see one issue. Oh, okay, Bob good. Kane took this drawing, this very rough drawing and concept to his friend Bill Finger. And Bill Finger is the one that actually created the Batman that we, we know and recognize. He made him more of a detective. He added the gray suit and the bat ears. He added the butler. He created the Joker. Everything you know and associate with Batman actually comes from Bill Finger. How come Bob Kane gets the credit then? Because Bob Kane sold out Batman from under Bill Finger. Oh, and he oh. continued to take the credit and push down credit of Bill Finger for years. Bill Finger actually never got credit for creating Batman until Batman v Superman in 2016. Wow. What? So how did did it finally come out? Bill Finger's kids actually dug up all the evidence, dug up everything. Uh, Bill Finger passed away without ever receiving credit really for creating Batman. Unreal. So why was he never like, hey, I created Batman? Bob Kane had so much control, such so much legal control over the character of Batman that I think we need to know what we need to do now. Bill Finger, this episode's for you. (laughs) Yeah. Dedication. Dedicated. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's actually a really, really good documentary on this on Hulu. Check it out. That that gives you a lot more in depth. And we could even do a whole episode on Bob Finger. You know, Bill I kind of want to, right? One day. Yeah, one day. One day. Not, today's not that day. Remember, this is 1941. Can anyone tell me what happened in 1942? The end there's of some World skirmish, War II. right? <laughs> World War II. So a lot of superheroes that stemmed from World War II on were very American themed. So 1941, near the end, is World War II starting to ramp up and we haven't officially entered, is where we see the introduction of Wonder Woman. That's a whole can of worms we're not going to get into on this episode. But more importantly... We talked about her a little bit with the Dr. Matt show. Yeah, we did. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a big can of worms. But who's more American than Captain America? Oh, right. Right. (laughs) Rocky is more yeah, American. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but Captain America, was it 1942? 19, near the end of 1940, 41, uh, okay. 1942. Uh, Captain America really was the last big superhero created before the end of World War II. After World War II, you see super, or not superheroes, but your GIs are coming back from World War II and superheroes are starting to fall out of vogue. These Why are, is that? A lot of people are shell-shocked. They want to be more grounded in reality. In this time, you see a rise in genre comics. If you recall, before Superman, there was a lot of Western comics, detective comics. You see the same things start to come back. Western comics are huge. Horror comics are really big, and we'll talk more about that in a second. 
science fiction comics, romance comics. These well, that was the era, right? There was this some is era paranoia with other other countries, and so sci-fi stuff was really big. You could see that in the movies at the time. Obviously, westerns about ten years later got really big. This is before television. Yeah. So radio plays and whatnot. Radio plays. It's okay. just, your, your source of entertainment was walk to the newsstand and pick up a comic book for a nickel. Yeah. Um, the problem was about this time, someone named Frederick Wortham saw a rise in delinquency. Really, if you want to dig into this, my, my degree is in sociology. So I, I Delinquency? Find this what kind of delinquency? Fast, juvenile. Juvenile delinquency. Like from school? So not missing school, so breaking windows, gangs are forming. Or delinquency, Jake's not as in like being laid. Kids but getting in yeah. trouble. Yeah. Jets and the sharks. Okay. You can argue where this is coming from. My, my background in sociology, I, I like to look <laughs> at this, and, and you kind of got to realize people are coming back from the war. The, the economy is starting to recover. You, you're getting, seeing the formation of the middle class, so all these kids that would have been working before now just have free time. Hmm. So naturally, if kids have a lot of free time and nothing to do, they're going to break some windows. They're going to break some windows. They're going to chase, tip some cows. You relate to that, right, Jacob? Uh, No. What are you talking about? Mm -hmm. Listen to the mom show. Yep. (laughs) Anyway, Frederick Wortham saw this delinquency and he wanted to attribute it to comic books. So he wrote a book called The Corruption of the Innocent. And he called for some form of censorship in comic books. Now, this is going to start kicking off the next age of comics. How much censorship was needed back then? I know I only ask because as a film major, I know there was the Hayes Production Code for the longest time, and they just would not allow certain things in movies. Yeah, so there there couldn't be much get, of anything. It's you get before like the nineteen sixty eight, and you're going to get basically squeaky clean mainstream films. So comic books, I mean, how much censorship was needed? How bad I, were they? Was it before this that Batman was shooting people? This was before this Batman was shooting people. That's right. There was okay. a lot of violence. Batman had a gun. Yeah, he did. Very much all you purists out there used it all the time. Yeah, but it wasn't just Batman shooting people. Uh, In Western comics, there was a lot of violence with people dying, but the biggest one was horror comics. And Superman used to kill people, right? Absolutely, all the time. Oh, really? People off buildings. Mm. Oh, nice, (laughs) (laughs) nice, (laughs) really nice. Way to go, Kal El. Yeah, again, you didn't let anybody down there. Any kids to Jacob? (laughs) (laughs) It's more the horror comics, and there was some issues that. Frederick Wortham had with Batman and Robin. Are we talking Tales from the Crypt, that sort of Tales thing? Tales from the Crypt, EC Comics. In fact, these comics, these horror comics are becoming so popular that Captain in America... 40s? Yeah. Wow. This is actually closer like 1958, 1960. Is when okay, you're so around this. that era. Yeah. So GIs have come back, the war's over, economy's recovering, kids have free time. So it's about 1958, 1960, 61. In that area, that Frederick Wortham is seeing this delinquency and trying to call for a new form of censorship. Because really, before that, anything goes in comics. And as Kent mentioned, it's Tales from the Crypt. Um, it's these horror comics where you see people flayed alive and all these other horrific things that Frederick Wortham wanted to. And somewhat rightfully so, there needed to be kind of a governing body saying, kids are reading these. We need to to kind of track what they're reading. Okay. So they created what the was called... The kids will be fine. <laughs> They'll work it out. <laughs> they, they created what's called the Comic Code Authority. Now, the Comic Code Authority, this the is... the CCA. Yeah. yeah, the CCA. They were kind of like the secret police. They, they really did call it the CCA. I just made that up. Yeah, but I'm really good with they that. They really did. <laughs> you Very took clever. letters, made an acronym. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. You, you need to understand the CCA if you want to understand comics post-1960s. Uh, we're in what's called... 
the Bronze Age. The Silver Age, Silver right? Age, yeah, yeah, Silver Age. So the Bronze Age... We is, were then. We were in the Bronze Age, now we're in the Silver Age. Like now we are? No. Oh. We're, we're going to... Oh, we're talking we'll get the Silver Age. Yeah. Okay. The Silver Age. We're in the Modern Age, Joel. We're postmodern. Are we postmodern? No, we're modern. No, okay. we're, we're Modern Age. Come I, on, let's, let's, let's go up another level. So it goes... There's a Golden Age, which is 1938 to 1956. So that's basically Batman and Superman running the show. Yes. Yep. Then there's a Silver Age, which is 1956 to 1970. And that's with a Silver Surfer running the show. Yeah, probably. Right. <laughs> there's the Bronze Age, which is 1970 to 1985. And then there's the modern age, which is 85 to present. So Wait, is this on purpose that it's like a descending? You're going to see because here? the characters change. For me, that's what signifies it is like Superman mm-hmm. and Batman will change uh, who they are. Mm-hmm. The Marvel characters will become a little more human, a less less godlike. When for did example. you say the modern one began? 1985. Oh, that's so a you're, long time. You're telling time. me with all those writers out there, they couldn't come up with another age? <laughs> Come on, yeah, writers. that's what I'm thinking. That's why we've been in the modern age for so long. Yeah. Good I, I, that's why it needs to be postmodern. I now. would say we are in a postmodern age, but that's boom. We'll Nailed get it. there in a minute. Verified by Spencer. A few minutes. You well, hear that? I don't think they called themselves the golden age when they were in the golden age. I think it's once you leave. Oh no, an they age, absolutely you look did. Back. Oh, did they, they did. No. Okay. <laughs> Wait a minute. They're like we're in the golden age now, boys. Enjoy it, fellas. We're in the golden age of comics. Draw a cigarette in Superman's <laughs> hand. Golden age of comics. You, you, you could not do that under the CCA. Oh. You couldn't show any form of violence. You couldn't show any Wait, form of... What? Wait, any form of violence meaning even punching? Punching was off limits. <gasps> what? So they, they started... What did to Batman do? Take Batman... Take away his punching? That's exactly the point. There, there wasn't much for them to do. Um, so they weren't popular, so there wasn't a big deal. It didn't ruin the comics at the it time. It didn't ruin the comics. It wasn't until Flash was reintroduced in about 1956 that superheroes even started to make somewhat of a comeback. Okay. So Flash is coming back. People are starting to get interested in comics again. Marvel is now officially changed its name to Marvel Comics. This is about 1961. Mm-hmm. And Marvel is about to have their time in the spotlight. One of the things you'll notice with comic books from the Silver Age on is Marvel and DC come and go in waves. Okay. At one moment, Marvel's going to be top dog. The next moment, DC's going to be top dog. So, I mean, in what century is uh, DC going to come back on top? If you we'll look at there. comic books, they're selling better now. <laughs> they are selling that was mostly better comic books right now. Yeah. But, no, but it feels, no, it's really, research. is that compared to not selling? Thing. Is that what it is? It, it makes sense, though, because when I was a kid, it was all Batman, Superman, Aquaman, the Justice mm-hmm. League. And I remember when they started talking about do, doing Avengers movies, I was like, Avengers? Who yeah. wants to see the Avengers? We're going to get my to that. Kids, exactly. We're going to get to that. Yeah, now my yeah. kids are totally about Avengers. So I see the DC Marvel back yeah. and forth, even in my home. Well, m- 1960s were Marvel's decade. That's when they introduced Spider-Man. What Stan Lee really did, he's now the editor-in-chief. Mm-hmm. So he's starting to take control of which co- creators are... Which He's reading a lot of DC comics, then copying the characters <laughs> and giving them different names, right? <laughs> he's just telling that to Jack Kirby. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they do have come up with a lot of original comic book characters. Now, this is contested. I don't want to get too controversial. Stan Lee didn't actually create any of these characters. What? He just named them. Rest in peace, Stan Lee. But, wait, he just named well, them? Well, he created some, didn't he? And Kirby created others? You're saying he didn't create any? It's, it's wait, when you say very, name them, was mm. he like, uh, create a character called Spider-Man, and they do it? That's exactly what he did. What? So, Spider-Man was created in 1960. Was it Fantastic Four? Let me check my notes. Yeah, Fantastic Four first and then Yeah, Spider-Man. Fantastic Four in 1961. That was Ken all Jack all Kirby. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. Uh, 1963 was Spider-Man. And Stanley says his inspiration for Spider-Man was he saw a spider on his wall and he says, give something those powers. 
and Jack Kirby came up. Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko keep in came mind up with everything Ken, but, else. Can't give a really side eye to that comment to that fact. Keep in mind, original Batman got inspiration from being Batman because a bat flew in his window. I didn't actually give a side eye. I was actually thinking, what that a was great the story time! Of Batman. What a great time to be alive when certain characters didn't exist, and you could actually say, "I want a character to be this way." And it wasn't already done. Really. That's the like, thing. Can, is yeah, there anything crazy. people can do now? Any no, power you can give someone that wouldn't have so. already been done? I don't new. know about powers, but there are new ways to tell stories. And that's kind of what ushers in the modern age. But 1960s, that was Marvel's time. They created, within 1961 to 1963, the Fantastic Four, Spider-Man, Thor, Iron Man, Hulk. You've all heard of, of some of these, right? came out. And the culmination Listen. was in 19, end of 1963, was the X-Men. And the X-Men was used as kind of a platform to discuss social issues in America. Mm-hmm. They were used as a soapbox at this time for racial issues, and they've continued to kind of be that soapbox. The weird thing was, up Hugh until Jackson now. actually was Wolverine back then. <laughs> yeah, It's, it's incredible. It I've seen Days of Future he, Past. He ages so well. <laughs> he does. Actually, Wolverine wasn't introduced till the early 70s. Oh, wow. Yeah, they had the after? X-Men first class. Uh, I, knew, I knew it was a while after. I didn't know it was yeah. that long after. And so he wasn't they, even a mutant at that time. Yeah. What was he? He's just... He was supposed to be a mutated Wolverine. A short Canadian. Oh, that's what I call him Wolverine. <laughs> <laughs> a short, stocky Canadian. Hey, bub. Hey. Hey, bub. So that is the, the what we call the Silver Age. It was the 60s and 70s. 60s and 70s. Okay. 1971 is kind of when we're going to go into the next age, which is... The Bronze Age? Bronze. I feel like this bronze, is where things bronze. get grimy. I feel this like the 70s and really early 80s are really grimy. And that's because... I mean, as decades, for well, sure. Do you mean the content is grimy? Yeah, yeah. content. Okay. The content uh, well, gets matches, really, really grimy. It matched the era. Well, yeah, once that, again, make, match that makes to, sense. Once it's going to relate to me, because I wanted about me here. Uh, in film, mm-hmm. that when they got the, the rid of the Hayes production code and decided they were going to do movie ratings instead, where they were going to yeah. let people do whatever they wanted, but they were going to give a certain rating, that's why so many R-rated movies came out in the 70s and mm-hmm. NC-17 movies because they were just like, oh, we can do anything? Let's go crazy. So it became a grimier era for, yeah. for film. And it sounds like it was the same for comics. But how, what about the CCA? The CCA still existed. In fact, the CCA is the reason that comics were so squeaky clean up until the 1971 issue of Amazing Spider-Man 96. Spider-Man? Was this the drug family special? This is a drug special. The federal government actually came to what? Stan Lee and said, look, your comics are killing it right now. Kids really enjoy this. We need you to do an anti-drug special. Now, up to this point, all comics that if, if they wanted to be sold officially on a newsstand had to have what's called the Comics Code a seal. So it's this like little stamp thing that was in the corner of the comic book. Stan Lee wrote the story about very, very anti-drug message, put it in Spider-Man, sent it to the Comics Code Authority, and they rejected it. Oh, to show you how strict the Comics Code Authority was, um, this is a fun fact. They could there's say a, no to the government. Is they could say like. no to the yeah. government. But there's a, a writer named Marv Wolfman. He wrote... Censor that name. It's Wolfman. Exactly what happened. What? So this is a creator what? of the Teen Titans. Right. Which you may recognize. Teen Titans Go. Yeah. What? No. I, I've never no. heard of that. <laughs> That's blasphemy. But I've, I've heard of the Teen Titans. Marv Wolfman <laughs> created the Teen Titans. I like this guy. And he wrote a story... And in the story, he was putting himself in as a narrator. He says, as presented by the Wolfman, mm-hmm. with a capital W, because his last name's Wolfman. Right. And the Comics Code Authority rejected it. But why? Because they weren't allowed to show anything supernatural. It sounded aggressive and supernatural. Wait, 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 wait. They couldn't show anything supernatural? These are superheroes. They couldn't show anything supernatural. So superheroes are fine, because they have superpowers, but not... Anything supernatural. A wolf man being a werewolf, not okay. So when you say supernatural, you're more speaking of like occult kind of stuff. Yeah, occult, magic. They yeah. couldn't show 
magic. They couldn't show a cult. They couldn't show death. They we, couldn't I show mean, drugs. we learned in our wolf uh, werewolf episode we mm-hmm. did a couple of Halloweens ago uh, about how werewolves originally came from like pentagrams and devil worshiping and things like that. So maybe that's what it was associated with. Instead of just being really just, strict, no, people being really strict. strict. Yeah. This it was this, scary in any way. It seemed wow. like it was building up to such extremes that it needed to shatter immediately. And that's exactly what happened with that 1971 issue of Spider-Man, because Stanley submitted it to the the CCA, and they said, "No, this has drug content." Well, the federal government told me to publish this as an anti-drug, and it's a very obviously an anti-drug story. Yeah, just talk about that. So talk about gonna, the abolishment of drugs without talking about drugs. It's easy. What are you yeah. talking about? <laughs> For sure. So Stanley said publish it anyway. So they published it without the comics code seal of approval, mm-hmm. and the comics hold just fine. Where did they sell it, though, if not at newsstands? They put it on newsstands anyway. Oh, wow. Wait, so the CCA actually had no authority whatsoever? no authority. But everyone, everyone agreed to just follow what they said. They agreed. Basically, they're holding up this invisible, bar- invisible barrier yeah, saying, I mean, don't cross mm-hmm. it. Please. That's exactly so what So what was with, the threat before, that without that stamp, no one fine. would buy it? Or they get a fine from... They get a fine or... This is a way for parents to know, don't let your kids read this. It sounds like a non-government entity, though, right? So Stanley so saw this and he said, that going forward, them? we're doing whatever. DC was like, yeah, us too. Yeah, exactly what okay. happened. In fact, huh. Danny O'Neill and Neil Adams were writing Green Arrow and Green Lantern mm-hmm. at the time. And funny thing is, Neil Adams, the, the artist, this is a fun fact about yeah. the Comic Code Authority and how it actually made things worse. He couldn't show death in comics, and he was originally a horror artist. Mm-hmm. But he could show inanimate objects being harmed. So rather than just what? killing somebody... When he was writing the Spectre for DC, he'd have the Spectre turn somebody into a candle and then melt them. Oh, wow. He, and that was okay. Because That's horrible. The candle was it being melted. That sounds like a crypt. He said it was really fun to find those workarounds. Yeah. Anyway, Danny O'Neill and Neil Adams were writing Green Lantern and Green Arrow at the time, and that's when they wanted to address their own issues. They started talking about drug use, and that's when Speedy, the Green Arrow's Sidekick, I love sidekick developed so a much. heroin addiction. Speedy, yeah. Speedy. Wait, Speedy wait. got a heroin addiction. Yes. Oh my gosh. Wait. Why couldn't it be cocaine? <laughs> what, what year was this? Or meth? This was about nineteen seventy-three. Heroin. Even okay. So this is. Uh, it seems a little like 20, 20 years too soon to do have a heroin overdose. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. But this is when these characters, these writers, are, are realizing the Comic Code Authority has no teeth. Mm-hmm. They can't stop us from publishing what we want to publish. So they start crossing crossing those thresholds. I'm talking about racism. They start talking about drugs and then getting grittier and grittier. The beginning of the 80s is when you start seeing creators like Frank Miller and Mm -hmm. Alan Moore, which you might recognize from the Watchmen, from the Watchmen and from Dark Knight Returns, Dark Knight Returns, Killing Joke. Yep. Killing Joke as well. Alan Moore wrote the Killing Joke. Long Halloween. That's Jeff Loeb. Oh, okay. But we don't want to get too into the the weeds of of writers and creators. But but these are the things. So when when I went to Kent and I said, hey, Kent. I'm looking to, to read some of the, the big Batman comics. Yeah. That we like the quintessential the yeah, Batman the, the comics. One, he's like, hey, read these ones. Because you're a fan of the big Batman. It was It's <laughs> 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 an old reference right there. It's yeah. like season one reference. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it, he gave me these recommendations, and every single one of them was one of these 80s dark Batman yeah. killing type comics. Well, noir Batman stories. Noir Batman. Killing, killing murder, for. death Batman. <laughs> and that's, that's something I <laughs> wanted to talk about. <laughs> 
that's part of the reason comic books are so much fun is because you can have the same character and they're like actors in a play or characters in a play. Mm-hmm. Depending on who steps into the role is how the, the story is going to be interpreted. Unlike, say, Harry Potter, who's written one way. Well, never mind. That's a terrible example because of J.K. Rowling. Oh, because she can change it at any yeah. time. Yeah. Unlike Frodo, who in the book is always going to be Frodo. And that is a character that if a Frodo for time and all eternity, these characters can change with the different eras or depending on who's writing them. Jeff Loeb, who can't recommend it to you, likes to write a very detective and cerebral Batman. Mm-hmm. Frank Miller, I think he got dropped on his head as a child. <laughs> wow. Real angry Batman. What if he listens to the show? <laughs> I don't think he Long knows how to listener. use technology. <laughs> but he writes a very, very angry, gritty. He did, he did like Watchmen, Sin City. Uh, what he else? did. No, he didn't do Watchmen. He did, yeah, he did. Oh, no, Alan Moore did Watchmen, that's right. Yeah. He did 300, 300 City, that's what and Dark Knight Returns. Yeah. yeah, so these very, very good And Year ones. One, Batman Year Batman One. Batman Year One. Mm-hmm. I have found that Frank Miller does his best work when he's not the artist as well, when he's just the writer. Mm-hmm. And when, even then, it, it's it's decent work. Alan right. Moore, though, from that, that decade, really kind of set the foundation of the superstar writer, where people are actually more interested in who's writing than the character that they are writing. Okay. Interesting. Okay. So this actually brings us to the modern era. But can we talk about Watchmen while yeah. we're here? Yeah. this is Because Watchmen is one of these graphic novels, and I actually have it here. And if you've probably seen the yellow cover somewhere at Barnes & it? Noble. It's somewhere over there. But this is the one you'd see at Barnes & Noble when that existed in Borders. Remember, I remember those? those? Yeah. And when it, they were next to the Hastings. And, and they basically brag, because they should, Time Magazine in 2005 did a 100 best novels of all time. And Watchmen's graphic novel made it as one of the 100 oh, best cool. novels. This a graphic thing novel is, was in the list of greatest novels. Of greatest novels. This mm. thing is so long and in-depth. And there's a movie that came out in 2009. But the there's so much detail there. And it really was a work of art. Even though it's it's kind of hard to take for a lot of people. It is really hard. And that, that's one of those ones you have to read multiple times to really understand mm-hmm. everything. In fact, interesting fact I about watched Watchmen, the movie once and I got it all. Yeah, yeah, yeah me too. <laughs> I don't know what the But what they can't yeah. do in the movie that they do in the book is that book is written, is written in chiasmus. Oh. If you're familiar with what that is Why would it be all. in chiasmus? It's a, it's a writing technique where you're kind of building to a center and then everything kind it of mirrors. leads to that. Yeah. yeah. So it, it's actually to a point where it's not just the whole story is a chiasmus, but individual pages and individual panels are wow. written that way. And who did that one? Alan, Alan Moore? Moore did that one. Alan Moore also wrote The Killing Joke, which changed the character of Batman forever. In fact, Batgirl was in a wheelchair from The Killing Joke up until... And she became more Like three, four, or probably maybe ten years ago? It was up until the New 52. Okay. So about 2000. We're jumping the gun. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Killing Joke. Sorry, that was oh. too soon. I'm sorry. Oh. Yeah, the Joker actually ends up shooting Batgirl, if you don't mm-hmm. know, and it's a horrific uh, moment It is a very, very... That is a hard book to read if you're not bracing yourself for what you're reading yeah especially the 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 movie the dark knight is actually based partly on this that if one person has a bad enough day that they can flip yeah and somebody good can become somebody bad okay so it's fun once you start reading kind of these seminal character stories to see in the movies what they draw from okay I would agree. And what they adapt and Mm -hmm. they do best when they don't try to directly adapt one story but take elements from each one anyway 1985 is about the beginning of the modern era of of comic books. Um, This is when comic book creators start to become bigger than the actual brand that they're writing for. Mm -hmm. This is about when Kent started reading X-Men. And I think it's really interesting that you brought up X-Men because two of the biggest stars in comic books at that time were both on X-Men. Jim Lee. Jim Lee, 
who's now the creative art director for DC Comics. Mm-hmm. So everything DC Traitor. has to go through him. Have you read Batman Hush? Yes. He drew that one. Oh, that was a good one. He's I've a, got a couple amazing. books here drawn by Jim Lee. He's a fantastic artist. Well, that's, um, that's one thing we really haven't talked about, by the way, because we've talked about a lot about story, but the art. Oh, we'll get there. Okay. Because yeah. what goes into a comic book? It's, it's we'll amazing to read these. Like, I just have, like, when you said hush, I immediately have this visual in my head, and I'm like, that's someone's drawing that's yeah. permanently in my head now. Well, it's really interesting when you start to break down not just who the artist is, because when you say the artist... You think one person drew, colored, and did everything. Right. But in comic books, it's the penciler, the inker, and the colorist. And depending on that team... Plus the writers. Plus the writers, yeah. But depending on just speaking art, strictly art, depending on the team of the the inker, the penciler, and the colorist can drastically change how something turns out. Yeah, you put a picture of that in your presentation where it showed like the different inkers uh, going like doing something different on a uh, Hulk pencil drawing. Yeah. And it gave him like a different look. Like mm-hmm. he looked like a different character each something time. Something else inkers are in charge of is the background. So if you see a really detailed background, that's because that inker took the creative decision that I want to go really detailed with this background. There's so much work that goes there's, into these. There's wilds. so much. But Okay, so you're talking about creators being bigger than the characters, but it seems exactly. like Egos will be involved, whether from the big two, we have DC and Marvel, and then people that write and draw for them are almost bigger than DC or Marvel. So it seems like there would be some heads budding. And that's exactly what happened. Segway. We mentioned Jim Uh Lee and Chris Claremont. They were writing X-Men. They were bigger than Marvel. Hmm. People were seeking out their art and their, their writing just for them. You also had creators like Willis Polanco. Never heard of that. He bigger in the 85. He's kind of, you know. There's another one out there that I'm not going to mention because I hate his art and he's become a living internet meme. Just say and it. I don't think he even realizes it. Oh, I know. It's Rob Liefeld. Yeah, it's Rob Liefeld. Yeah. Um, Once again, he's the one yeah. that he, I feel like I'm a Jacob here. This he drew uh, Deadpool and he drew characters with tiny feet in the giant Captain America, the huge torso. Oh, yeah. You've seen he's that. the one you said that he, he has no concept of anatomy. No. He has no concept of anatomy. Because yeah. like, it's like Captain America honestly looked like he was like a funnel. It was also yeah. very 90s. The 90s were all about, like, there's a lot of over sexualization of characters. <laughs> you know, we're just still doing that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'll never stop. This is the 90s, you said? Yeah, the 90s. The early, early 90s. And there was this, so this like, is like, attitude 85, look. Or yeah. 89 to 92, 93. Okay. But what happened was you had Jim Lee, Chris Claremont, Rob Lee Field, all creating these characters, but not getting... Oh, Todd McFarlane. I forgot Todd McFarlane. Huge. Of course. How could I fit... You know Todd McFarlane, though, don't you? He's he's great on Family Guy. Oh, no. Oh, no. (laughs) That physically hurt me. (laughs) Who is he? I don't know who he is. So Todd McFarlane, you have... He created Venom. Venom, yeah. Okay. You have specific artists that define a character for an era. Okay. He defined Spider-Man from 1980s onward. Okay. Um, Now you have... Jeff Bagley Jr. Before that, it was John Romita Sr., not Jr. John Romita Jr. is a terrible artist. I thought we so, too. We won't get into that. <laughs> but Todd McFarlane was, created Venom. He created Carnage. He was one of those... So he used really one note there. It's just like Venom, Carnage, and any other symbiote. That was kind of his thing. So we're going to get to that because <laughs> him, Jim Lee, and Chris Claremont, Rob Liefeld, and a couple of these other superstar, superstar com- creators wanted more control of their, their creations. They wanted more money. They were getting paid basically nothing to create these these mega stars for these publishers. Do you think the publishers were getting all the money then? Yeah, Marvel was getting most of the money. Marvel was having another resurgence. So their talent got very little. Would you say that's been the case all through comics history? Yeah. Okay, even now? Not anymore. Okay, okay. So So, go on, sorry. 
these guys, this core group of the bad boys of comics is what they would call themselves at the time, got together. Yeah, but it's a like, true story. I know, but it's just one of those things like, right. the bad it's boys like, of comics. You might as well say we're in the golden age. They're the know? toughest third graders on the class. <clears throat> well, it kind of seems like we had an SNL show last week and we talked about the, uh, like the bad boy era with, with Sandler and Farley and whatnot. Yeah. And they got too big for the show. They had movie deals. And so they got fired from the show for almost being showboats, essentially. Yeah. And that's that's exactly what happened. Is they once said to Marvel, "We demand more money. We're bringing all this money for you. You actually have to pay us what we're worth." Marvel said no, so they started their own company. They started Image Comics. They launched with Todd McFarlane's creation, Spawn. Okay, yeah, so, you know Spawn, right? Spawn. Yeah, talking about one note creations. Yeah, he created Spawn, Spawn, which is basically a Venom. Yeah, Hell symbiote. Yeah, so. You can censor me if you need to. <laughs> it's okay. It's, you're talking about the place. We're, we're, we're talking about the place. Yeah. Their whole crux was any creators that want to create a, do a comic and, and ha- own the character, own the rights, what happens to them, and get the majority of the publishing money, come write for us, come draw for us. But then what did they get out of it? If, they're, if They they're, published it. Right. But I mean, if, the, if they're getting, if the artists are getting most of the money. Well, they're just the making it easier to they're publish. They're making the money off well, the they publishers. St- they still kept making comics. So they still kept yeah. getting their own money. Okay. Yeah. So they're getting money from. It's like a co-op. Yeah. Of uh, it sounds writers. like. Yeah. Okay. And this actually led to a lot of other comic book companies. Very similar. Like IDW. Um, IDW, their big creation and their big brand is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Which a lot of people don't know were a comic first. They were a comic first, and what even more people don't know is it is a parody of Daredevil. What? What? Wait, how? None of the turtles are blind. None of the turtles are blind, but they were created and they're turtles. <laughs> According <laughs> to <laughs> that too, in the sewer and there's a Wait, rat. Daredevil's not a turtle. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I didn't see season three. Mind the mind. I don't know. <laughs> but according to Eastman and Laird, who created the Ninja Turtles, they're a big fan of Frank Miller's Daredevil, the series. Man Without Fear series. Right. Yeah, yeah. So the Ninja Turtles were created in the same accident that gave. Matt Murdock. What? His powers. Now, it gets even further than this. Huh. Who does Daredevil fight? Kingpin. Kingpin. The Ninja Oh, bull, Bullseye. Oh, Foot Clan? They, nope, that's the Ninja the hand. It's the hand. And who trained Daredevil? The stick. stick. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Splinter. Yeah. Whoa. So huh. the Ninja Turtles are a parody homage to... Daredevil. Well, isn't it true also that Ninja Turtles didn't even have colored, uh, didn't have different masks? They didn't masks have colored masks. Um, there's a lot of Did they have the names of Leonardo? They had the same names. Okay. Um, they were created for an art project for their class, and then they tied it all in. And, and it IDW. became a best-selling comic book, Ninja Turtle line. In fact, I, yeah, that, that that seems if real. you grew up watching Ninja Turtles, I do not recommend reading the initial, uh, initial comic books mm-hmm. because they are very violent. They're very gritty. Sounds Again, cool. they're supposed to be parodies. Ken's <laughs> buying it right Daredevil. now on his right phone. Up my alley. I, it's um, pretty gritty. Don't you remember that time that Leonardo chopped down a net with his katanas and then hit a ninja in the face with the butt of his katana? <laughs> because they never actually <laughs> used their weapons in the show. Yeah. yeah. In the first so one, frustrating. they did. In the first movie, they did. They couldn't in the second Raphael movie. Raphael swore, you guys. It's mature. They beheaded? They beheaded Shredder, so. Wow. That's awesome. So Beheader. It, it's really cool. <laughs> but IDW is mostly Ninja Turtles and then licensed properties. So, okay, you talked about creators. Are these all the creators that have been working for comics for a long time? Or are people like being like, hey, this is a lucrative business. I want to draw. I want to write. And now I'm get- getting into comic books. So everyone kind of starts their own little indie development shop. That's, that's kind of what you're seeing is, but more so it's creators that can't get in with IDW or with Image. You'd submit your artwork. You'd submit your, your projects. Mm-hmm. 
if image says we can't do this or we don't want to work with this, they might spin off their own. Okay. And that's where you get IDW. That's where you get these other comics. Wait, so like, obviously everyone knows DC and Marvel. And you're saying Image is Image? Is that the one? Image is its own that's, publisher. It's a different publisher. Mm-hmm. I, uh, IDW. What other ones do we have? So we have Image, IDW. We have Boom Studios. We have... What does Boom Studios do? Boom Studios does mostly licenses. So like, when you say licenses, I mean, like, is that like the Buffy the Vampire one? And so we'll get to that Invader one in just Zim. a second. Yeah, like Invader Zim. Um, Boom Studio recently did Power Rangers. Okay. Uh, they're still doing it. It was written by Kyle Higgins, who's a fantastic writer. I have can actually... I take, can, I ta- hey, oh, yeah, yeah. can I take another protective sleeve? Yeah. Where's your drink, Jacob? <laughs> it's long, empty, Joel. I actually brought They're not going to know this joke either. That issue, because it's one of the annuals. And I actually got a little teary reading that one. For Power Rangers? For Power is it, Rangers. Is because You're they sweet. Go, wait, is it because they go you to sure Dunkin' Donuts? Court? No, no, they, they actually add a lot more depth to this lore that where there's no more. Yeah, yeah. And if you know Power Rangers, it's just basically Americans smashing their Japanese toys together and making a new story. But Kyle Higgins goes in and we, adds legit depth and lore to Power Rangers, which there was none before. So if there's if no one owns a comic book, let's say Star Wars has no comic book publisher. One of these can say, hey, can we write a Star Wars comic book? That's a very poor Before example. Before Marvel took them. Okay. <laughs> and I'm going to push you I'm down. sorry. Penalty box. Marvel wrote the license to Star Wars in the 1960s and 70s. Always. Okay. But what about Transformers or something like that? Transformers might go through Boom Studios. Okay. They might go through another one. But there is another player, and that's Dark Horse Comics. Okay. And I think that's where you wanted me to go. I did. Dark Horse. So Dark Horse Isn't Comics. that a character from uh, Joss Whedon's mind? That's a very good segue. because that's Bad Horse. <laughs> Dark Horse Comics, they do licenses. Some of the licenses are from shows that you might enjoy, like Buffy the Vampire Slayer. They continue to do those comics. They also do comics for Firefly. So if you wanted to... You've read those, right? Oh, yeah. The Firefly comics. There's actually... Okay, uh, this is just me geeking out for a second. Uh, Firefly, the TV series, ended abruptly. And then then Serenity, the movie, came out, the Capstone Project. But there's a lot that happens in between. And the comics, I actually bought a couple of them fill in the gap between the, the TV series and the movie so well. And if you want to learn about mm. Shepherd Books. Yeah, they, shepherd, they talk about Shepherd Books history. Yeah. That. They actually do this That's a lot issue. where like uh, Pushing Daisies ended after two seasons. They did a comic run for a little bit. Yeah. But and they uh, still haven't finished it. They still haven't? I don't know if they have. Uh, like Buffy ended season seven at an appropriate time, but they said, hey, we're going to sell some comics 10 years later. So they made seasons eight but and the nine. the nice thing about comics the comic is that run. the yeah, actors never age. You could literally, yeah. like with Firefly, there's certain characters that die at mm-hmm. the end of Serenity. Yeah. You could do the comics in between the time of Firefly and Serenity or even prequels or, and it's like still big, have them all there again. right there. Yeah. yeah. You can freeze them in time. By the way, the Joss Whedon uh, joke was actually uh, about uh, Dr. Horrible sing-along blog. Yeah, Bad Horse. Character named Bad Horse. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just making sure that that came full around and I got uh, my... I, but, I missed it. I but know, yeah. why would people know Dark Horse outside of, like, comic nerds? The Mask? The Mask and... Not the Jim Carrey one, but No, the I was going to say, I saw... Uh, what's the difference? Wait, not the Jim Carrey one. You mean the share, Eric? Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. No, like, uh, I actually saw What's That's the Difference. That's the one we always think uh, of. Yeah. Cinefix did a, did a What's the Difference between the comic book and the movie of The Mask. I had no idea how dark that comic book was. Like it's it's violent and dark and gritty and horrible. Same and with then, Men in Black. And then what? Men in Black too? Yeah. Wow. Very very different than the the, the actual movie that gets but then very they sanitize sanitized. them and make them comedies oh. and put Will Smith. Tell, in tell it. us more. Now, Dark Horse is probably most famous for Mike Mignola's. His name is hard to pronounce sometimes. Mike yeah. Mignola. Filet Mignola's. Yes. Uh, his book, comic book, Hellboy. 
heck boy, please. Oh, now we can't say hell. No, he comes from He comes from hell. It's okay. Yeah. Now, Mike Mignola actually started out as an inker. So this is one of the people that would come in and make the lines darker so that the copiers, air quotes, copiers could actually print the comic books. Mm -hmm. And you could see the penciler's lines. Um, He kind of got in good graces of DC. He did a couple covers for DC. One of the covers he did was Death in the Family. Oh, yeah. It's a great one. It's Batman holding Robin. Yeah. Yeah. But then he realized I'm never really. Uh, we should clarify that. <laughs> <laughs> it's Batman holding the limp, dead body of Robin. <laughs> Thank you, Frederick Wortham. I arms. think we all got there, Joel. No, 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 there are no, comics where Batman you. is embracing Robin. <laughs> just putting that out there. Just saying. It's a visual when I medium. put together the presentation, Hold I had me. to sift through a lot of pictures of Batman embracing Robin. Yes. <laughs> Don't Google image that. No. Don't. Really don't. Don't. I, I, I have a very appropriate one in the presentation and just stop there. At yes. Yeah, Patreon.com slash bacon so. All right. But Mike Mignola wanted, realized I'm not going to really get anywhere in my career unless I start doing my own style, my own art. So he approached our course and they said, well, do, what do you want to do? And he started doing Hellboy. What I think that Mike Mignola does very well is he shows a lot of his art through negative space. Now you hear that thrown around a lot. So what it is, is he uses the blacks of a comic book to his backgrounds and inker to make a book look more gritty, darker. Okay. Right. Right. And he'll outline the characters by those black spaces. Okay. So if you look at a lot of Hellboy's art, there's a lot of black on there. There's a lot of white on there. And that's, that's kind of what they did with Batman, the animated series. And I'm sorry to bring it into other kind of media. A really good reason to bring that up because one of the creative consultants on Batman, the animated series was Mike Mignola. Perfect. Because did you know did they you actually... Did you know that, Ken? I didn't know it, actually. It's a Let's fun tell you guys planned that. Yeah, what's up? Boom. <laughs> Boom. But no, it's, it, I don't know if bumps. you guys knew, but Batman the Animated Series was drawn on black paper, not on white paper like I everything did, else. I remember you saying yeah. that th- yeah. about 65 times in this show. <laughs> One of the <laughs> most <laughs> famous designs that Mike Mignola did for Batman the Animated Series was Mr. Freeze. Okay. He completely updated the look of Mr. Freeze from the 1960s. Mm-hmm. And brought him into the modern century. Schwarzenegger. Yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah, no. yeah, that's the one, right? Like, just like that. <laughs> that physically hurt. <laughs> so here's the thing. You're bringing up all these indie developers, which for 20 years have still been indie. Like, even Image Comics, which was huge in the, in the late 90s, I would say, around 97. Even now, a lot of people, it's not a household name, right? Sp- Image Comics, what's interesting is if you are a teenager in the early 90s, mm-hmm. You might recognize Image Comic because you you recognize Spawn. Mm. Spawn was everywhere in the 90s. Then they kind of went away from for a little while. It was actually in the early 90s that a comic book, or just a kid, picked up his first comic book, Savage Dragon, published by Image, um, name of Robert Kirkman. He's the one that created The Walking Dead, right? Exactly. So he actually started writing comic books. And one of my favorite books out there is Invincible, written by Robert Kirkman. That is literally the one that Jacob spilled... Uh, that squirt on mm-hmm. earlier. Yep. But that's okay. It's not that specific. I issue. didn't really it's like that one. So. <laughs> <laughs> but Robert Kirkman started reading Savage Dragon, loved comic books, started getting more and more into what it means to write, develop, create comic books, applied for a job at Image. He actually pitched the idea of The Walking Dead. They said no. So he pitched Invincible and said, while I'm at it, I'm working on this. And he pitched a superhero version of The Walking Dead. And he said, it's going to be about, he 
you know, the first few issues and said, I promise there's a big twist where it's going to be revealed that the, the zombies are fake and it's all this alien invasion. The alien invasion never came. And it's that's how he pitched dead. it. That's oh, how wow. he pitched it. That's how we got it greenlit. Because it really is a simple zombie comic book story. There's really nothing yep. special about it except for the characters are really well written. But it's managed to be a phenomenon. And that's why I would say... One of the most successful TV series of all time. Mm-hmm. We are in the postmodern era where we're actually starting to see, because of the internet, because of a decline in traditional comic books, DC and Marvel, we're seeing more of these, these indie comic books come up where Image is getting its day in the light. You've seen The Walking Dead develop. There's actually going to be a high-budget animated series on Amazon with Invincible. Hmm. These comic book creators are these... What is the premise of Invincible? Invincible is Superman, if he was sent here really... I can't say it without spoiling it, but if Superman was raised here as a teenager Mm -hmm. by his dad, who's also a superhero. Okay. And what if... So it's like you have great powers. Use them right now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Kevin Costner dying in a tornado. Much like the appeal of Marvel Comics in the 1960s, this is a real person dealing with real issues. Okay. But he's got superpowers like Superman. Hmm. Okay. I'm going to read it. I do not recommend that one to you, though. Not family friendly? Not at all. Is the Amazon series not going to be family friendly? Probably not. Dang it. But they have a killer cast. But no, you see things like this. Like you see The Boys. You see Preacher out there. These are lesser known comic books. Interesting. In fact, let me kind of jump back to that. We're like Team Segway here. Team Segway. You see (laughs) things like The Boys and what was the other one? Preacher? Preacher. Those are published by Vertigo Comics. Now, Disney has subsidiaries where they publish their rated R movies. Yeah, that's and right. And they're PG-13 movies up until Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. DC and Marvel have the same exact thing. So DC Comics actually owns Vertigo Comics. Vertigo Comics were the ones that initially published Watchmen. Ah. But they didn't want the DC brand on it because this is a little harder for our usual reader. Mm-hmm. Same with Preacher and The Boys, both published under Vertigo. Hmm. That's um, all DC. That's all DC. DC also owns Young Animals. Um, I've got some licensed comics over here, Thundercats, mm-hmm. printed by Wildstorm, and that's kind of where DC put all their... They're owned by Warner Brothers now, so Warner Brothers says, hey, we want a comic book. You know, we'll give that to Wildstorm. So we don't actually have to publish Thanks, that ourselves. Thanks, guys. I need some work. <laughs> now, Marvel also has their own subsidiaries, but they do it a little bit different than DC. Um, they had Marvel Knights in the 90s. Now, this is where Jim Lee and all them kind of came to prominence because... If you recall, in the 80s, Alan Moore and Frank Miller were crushing it. Mm-hmm. They all worked for DC. Right. So they had to relaunch with these Marvel Knights. This is a subsidiary of Marvel. They also had Star Comics. Star Comics is Marvel's family-friendly line. That's where Spider-Ham comes from. Huh. I'm sorry. Spider-Ham? Spider-Ham. Wait, is it a pig? Into the Spider-Verse? Wait, have, you, have you not seen Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse? Yeah, I have. I didn't realize. I didn't know that was a real character. Yeah, that's when a real he was character. on drugs for a little bit over there. <laughs> Or what? Wait, but Marvel's <laughs> generally family friendly anyway. What, just like kids? Is kids comics? These are kids oh. comics, just straight up for kids. I would say neither Marvel or DC are really family friendly as far as language they, they can use. They were in the Golden Age and the Silver Age and the Bronze Thanks Age. The CCA. This modern age, though. <laughs> but that's why they had these different publishing partners because if they wanted something specifically for kids, Wildstorm will handle it for DC and Star Comics for Marvel. I still want to show on Spider Ham. You'll probably get it. Kent? No. I'm sure. John Spider Ham show. I hate Spider Ham. Oh, come on. John Mulaney's hilarious. He's hilarious. No, I hated him in Spider-Verse. But another imprint for Marvel was Marvel Unlimited. Or Marvel, Ultimate Marvel, sorry. Mm-hmm. And this was an, 
entirely. This was launched specifically to bring new re- readers in. So you had your original Marvel stuff that was been going on forever, and then they reset everything in Marvel Ultimate Marvel. Initially started to introduce young readers, but then the writers got a hold of it and it changed drastically. Um, the only character to come out of that one really unscathed was Spider Man. Yeah, Miles Morales, who's been folded into the main Spider or the main Marvel universe as they've been acquired by Disney, shut everything else down, and they only have Marvel. Well, okay, so uh, that brings up the question then. Because, I mean, we're looking at, I mean, over 80 years of comic books and stories and different timelines and different multiverses. Superman in 85, 86 now. Yeah. But I'm thinking about, like, where could you possibly start? There's so many comics out there. At what point can you just jump into a story and say, okay, I'm going to follow this storyline? Occasionally... Marvel's notorious for this. They will reset at number one. This is actually what got Marvel in financial trouble in the 90s up until... When they sold their rights to Spider-Man. When they they had... The only way they could stay alive is if they pretty much butchered Yeah, they the declared bankruptcy in 1996. And that's because they kept resetting. Mm-hmm. Um, if there's a good place to jump in, my recommendation is find a character that you like and just jump in. You'll catch up eventually. But would you say jump in, like go to a comic book shop and go buy a comic, like a single issue? Or would you say buy a graphic novel of the character you like and get into the mythology and then maybe jump around? Because it really is like different movie versions where you're like, here's one written in the 50s and here's one written mm-hmm. in the 90s. Yeah. And it's fine if they, it doesn't quite match with canon. Yeah. Because you just got to accept that they're not going to match with canon. Uh, we're going to get, this is weed, so I'm not getting here, but that's why the multiverse was what? created. It's getting into the weeds. The multiverse essentially says, hey, there's all these versions of the characters you love and just be fine with it. There's many Spider-Men out there. There's many Supermen out there. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, they're saying just get, get used to it. There's like 52 universes in DC. Again, look at it this way. These are actors in a play and every yeah. story is going to be different. Every interpretation of the character is going to be different. Go out, <clears throat> grab a quick trade, read a couple of those. Marvel and DC have made a quick it, trade, quick trade collection trade issue so which means speak to just the a collection yeah. of sorry into the weeds it's a collection of a complete story arc okay so in the comic book issues they will do a story arc for five or six issues and an arc is a trade an arc is just five or six issues that tell a complete story then what's a trade a trade is a collection of those issues essentially okay. what i call a graphic novel right it's essentially a graphic novel it's a bound version of, of, of the story arc mm-hmm so I've got a copy of Mr. Miracle in here um, in my hands for the audience that can't see it. This is a 12-issue miniseries. They've collected all 12 issues and put this into what is called And cut trade. out the ads that are in and every comic book. Yeah. Okay, okay. So now you can read the story from beginning to end. I like that. Um, it is a fantastic way to jump in if you just want to read a quick story. And then when and you're ready... How long, wait, you say quick. How long would it take to get through that? Because that looks like a book. Because of the way they look a lot thicker than they are. They do. Jacob, honestly, like you can take home a graphic novel like that and read it in the night. Easy. Yeah. Oh, okay. This took me one day. Um, this one's a little bit thicker. Because a lot of Not it is thicker, a visual thing dense. and your yeah. eyes just start. One of my favorite things, and I have to say this, uh, is one of my favorite experiences about reading comic books is when they're they're drawn and uh, written so well that your eyes just flow from page to page. Yeah. And before you know it, you're like, wow, I'm done. How did that happen? You get just pulled mm-hmm. into the story. And that's when you have a really good writer-artist combination. If you have a really bad one, um, currently in DC they're doing Superman Year One with Frank Miller and an artist named J.R.J.R. John Romita Jr. It is physically painful for me to read because it's a bad artist it's and terrible. a bad writer. Yeah. Mm. But when you have a fantastic writer and artist like in Mr. Miracle, written by Tom King and Mr. Ards, 
it just flows. Or in Invincible, I've got three compendiums, which are a collection of like issues zero through 47, and then issue 48 through 90 some odd. It just flows because it's a very good pairing of the artist and the, the writer. We don't have a lot of time to say where everyone should start on Spider-Man, Batman, Superman, every character. But if someone has questions like, hey, I want to start reading X-Men, what should I start reading? Can they reach out to you? Yeah, reach out to me. Um, the best advice I can give you is download the Marvel Unlimited app, download DC Universe. They have collections of thousands of comics on there. Online. Online. And you That's can read cool. them okay. on your phone. Do you prefer paper or digital? When you're just getting Ooh. into it, go ahead, read digital. When you are ready to start reading some better comics that you just can't get digitally, um, some of these indie comics like Invincible or some of the more You like the hardbound dense, cover, yes. Yeah. yeah. You're going to want to get, pick it up at your local library. Yeah. Um, if you don't want to spend the money yet, just run to your local library. Well, and also one thing that I do uh, every September, no, May, the first Saturday in May is free comic book day. So you can go to your local comic book store and they have usually a table out of a bunch of different comics, usually probably the ones they can't move, but they have a, or, or some good ones too. They actually write specific, specific comics for that, for that It'll day. say like comic book day, like on the corner. Uh-huh. But I've gotten like, my kids have gotten uh, like My Little Little Pony and I've gotten Doctor Who. We got a Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Plants vs. Zombies, like all these different kind of stuff they know and they're reading about comics and then they will get some superhero ones as well. Mm-hmm. But it's just a fun way for them. They get like two comics each and every free, com- go in there, get a free comic book and walk out. Yeah. And my kids have like a collection of comics because of free comic book day. Yeah, that's a fantastic place to start. But if you just want to start reading, go to the local library. That is the yeah. best place to start. Or use Once the you're app. ready to put some money down, it's like nine bucks a month. Grab one of the apps. Oh, use the apps the are nine bucks a month? Yeah. Oh, okay. You can usually mooch off somebody. I didn't say that. (laughs) But use the library. Figure out which character you you resonate with, which one you identify, which and who you want to follow. Yeah. And then from there you start, again, once you get the characters down, you start following specific creators. Mm -hmm. And you you want to read. It doesn't matter which hero they're writing. There's a specific creator that you want to follow. What would you say, Spencer, to people that maybe haven't read comic books because they feel they're quote-unquote childish or quote-unquote not real books? Mm, Good question. I would say go read Bone. That one over there. The one, the one I, I recommended to you. You said Bone is good for children, though. I mean, so if it's too childish, Listen, but that's this, also a Is this really the one to start with? Because, listener, I'm holding this, and it weighs about five pounds. Yeah. And it's like a 1,000 pages, it looks like. You can get the individual volumes for these that are done. I like the complete collection. 1,300 pages. But I would recommend Bone. Oh, he found a page because number. One, it flows very, very quickly because he has his background in animation. But the lore in Bone is so deep that, yeah, a kid can grasp it. Mm-hmm. But as an adult, I'm always blown away every okay, time yeah. I read it. Yeah, okay, looking through, I can see, like, this is going to flow really fast. I mean, I can finish that one in about three days. It's huge. And that's, and that's just because there are a lot of pages that are just... Yeah, you're just turning those pages constantly. Turning pages, there's no dialogue or anything. Hmm. And it, it reads like a, a, car, a cartoon book, and that's the publisher, Cartoon Books. Right. Because so you're exactly saying you're just saying give it a chance. Give it there, a chance. There's some real Read. story, real meat on these bones here. That this is something worth pursuing. Spencer, do you see yourself ever growing out of this, or is this something that is just one of your loves that you'll continue to follow, continue to purchase, or do you think comics die altogether? Comics need to reinvent themselves a little bit. I think uh, we need to start a new era instead of the modern era, which we've been in for the past forty years. Postmodern era. I think it's time. Yeah. 
I think they're they're trying to figure out how to reinvent themselves because people aren't going to comic book shops anymore. No. People aren't buying. No. We go in free comic book. Well, day. no one goes to shops of any kind anymore. You know. But that's where you're seeing more of these indie comics. You're going to see a lot more of these come out. You're seeing a lot of web comics are becoming increasingly popular, where the same caliber of story is being told for free online. So it's where are DC and Marvel going to find their home? Am I going to outgrow it? I don't think so. I've, I've been okay. reading comic books consistently since I was 12 years old and paying for it yeah. dearly. I don't do drugs because I can't afford it. <laughs> and because and they're not good for you kids. That, that too. <laughs> yeah, those too. <laughs> There's a special issue of Spider-Man mostly the money, 96 though. that will tell you <laughs> Go that. check that out, yeah. But it, it keeps evolving. And just when you think you've hit a point where you've read everything or you're, you're starting to grow out of it, you read something new. And that inspires you to continue reading. You start with Superman saving a cat from a tree. And then you read the long Halloween Mm -hmm. and you start digging into these darker stories with Batman and you think you've read everything and everything's done there. And then you read Mr. Miracle and it it just kind of escalates or you find something new or find a new niche, just like normal books and reading. There's different genres. There's different genres in comic books and it's a very unique way to tell a story both visually and in written prose. And when you have just that right team, you're, you're able to visualize and see and hear everything coming right off the page in a way that you can't do in books. Yeah. And there's something I, magical about there's it. There's something magical about it. And you're still going to draw on things from everyday life. Whenever I read a Batman story, you bet I still read it with Kevin Conroy's voice <laughs> and Mark Hamill's <laughs> Joker. Batman. Yeah. But that's something that I'm just going to carry with me for the rest of my life. Sure. As I, I read new comics yeah. and as I yeah. read new stories. And you get different writers. We mentioned that these are plays with different characters playing the same people mm-hmm. or different actors playing the same people. A new writer is going to come in and spice things up. It might get dry for a little while. Um, I'm going to be completely honest. I put down Nightwing for a long time and then Kyle Higgins came in and I had to pick it back up because something interesting happened. So it, it ebbs and flows with com- which comics you're going to read and which ones you're not going to read. But because they're able to switch out these artistic teams and as- assemble something new, something unique every time, it's going to keep growing and keep evolving. Hmm. Okay. Nice. I'm going to start collecting comic books, you guys. I don't know about you. You already are. I know. <laughs> well, I, I love, like Spencer, I loved, uh, like when Kent gave me those recommendations, I love being able to go there and just get these famous ones and new stories. Not even just the famous ones, just like mm-hmm. finding a good story. It, and it's not even like, it's not even as long as a movie sometimes. You read through some of these comics, it's like basically under two hours, and you're like, wow, that was real fun. Yeah. yeah. And, and so... If you have recommendations, or if if I have want recommendations, I come to you and any listener. Also, if you have a if you want recommendations for where to start, either for you or for your kids, talk to Spencer. He's he's around on our social media pages. You can ping him. Yeah, he'll tell you his uh, Twitter profile soon. Yeah, yeah, you can find me at Spence on the Bench at on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook at the Spirit of Thirty Eight Podcast. Shoot us a message. I don't get on my personal Facebook ever anymore, but I am on the the podcast one. Yeah. So you say us. Who there. else is on the Spirit of Thirty Eight? So the Spirit of Thirty Eight is myself, my brother-in-law Rick, and my cousin Carrie comes on occasionally as well as my little brother. It just depends on who's in town. And you give us an idea of like the topics that you cover, like a couple episodes you've done. So a couple episodes we, we try to do some character histories. So we really d- dug deep into Steve Ditko at one point. We dug really deep into who's Superman. Steve Ditko. Steve Ditko. Yeah, the He he was a creator of Spider Man. Right. Um, we've also not done Stanley. 
yeah, we've also done reviews of specific story arcs. Uh, we'll do comic book movie reviews occasionally when something big comes out. Uh, my favorite type of story or episode that we do is we try to do character profiles of actual people. So we'd have someone like Kent or Joel or Jacob on, and we talk about how did you get started in comic books? Why do you relate to that person? Why do you relate to that character? That's cool. That's yeah, like a good psychological study too. Yeah. So there's some depth. Yeah, I think that's I like my, that. my background's in sociology, and I love to to realize or learn why people relate to different comic book characters, why, how they've impacted your life. And at the end of the day, whether you read comic books religiously like me, or whether you the only movie you've ever seen is The Amazing Spider-Man Two. Wow. I know, low bar. <laughs> Almost as low as Fanfortic. <laughs> sure. But whether your only exposure is through movies, it doesn't matter. We all share a common love of these characters. Mm -hmm. We've all grown up with Spider-Man. We've all well, grown up with Spider-Man. And Superman. also, if you read the comics, then you can be that really smart person in the room. It's like, mm, actually, I've already read the comic. I know how this movie's going to go. People love that person. Yeah, yes, they do. Yeah. I you read those you comics and I to be hate that person. person. I know. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Spence on the Bench. You can find the Spirit of 38 at the Spirit of 38 podcast on Twitter, on Instagram, and the Spirit of 38 on Facebook. Um, and you can give it a listen. We we try to drop episodes every Thursday. We've just coming back. You from try a, to drop episodes every Thursday. Every yeah. other Thursday. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Every other. Oh, we're coming back from a, a little bit of a summer hiatus that we had last year, and we're having it mm -hmm. again this year um, because you I've got married. Sick, yeah. Significant yeah. live events. By the way. So. Well, thank you, Spencer. Thank you, Spencer Michael Myers. Thanks for, being for coming on. The show. I love it. Really appreciate it. And we want you guys to let us know if you are into graphic novels, if you're into comic books, let us know what ones you like. I'm sure Spencer will love to hear uh, what, what ones you have an opinion on as well. And then even if you don't, let us know what your experience is with comic books. Because, you know, this is kind of an introductory course we've done today. Uh, we want to give some thanks, by the way, to our patrons. Yes, we do. People who help support the show and help keep the lights on here in the Baking Cave. We appreciate you. And uh, we want to say thank you to... The I Am a Listener tier, which includes Josher, Greg's Guide to New Music podcast, Terry Finlay, a more civilized podcast, Stephen Ross, and Adrian Gray. And of course, our Bacon Council, Nicole D. Hill, Chris Anderson, Brian Farron, and Matt Smudrow. Thank you for being patrons of Bacon So Cell. good. But if you want to find me, you can find me at 76Joel on Twitter, eventually. Or you can find me performing with Quickwits. <laughs> no, you never will find Joel there. You will never find Joel there. At the Midville Performing Arts Center. For more details, go to qwcomedy.com or go to the Quickwits Facebook page. If you want to find me on Twitter and Instagram, it's at Kenny3DD. If you want to read my movie reviews, it's showtimeshowdown.com. You can find me on Twitter at Jacob A. Rogers, as well as Bacon Sale on Twitter and on Instagram at Bacon Sale. Make sure you check out our merchandise store, tpublic.com slash bacon sale. And as we already pitched in the very beginning, remember, you can do a torture Jake. Yeah. If yeah. you join or Good upgrade plug. on Jake. I, yeah, make me do whatever, I guess. Eat something <laughs> weird, you know. Wow. Uh, yeah. Um, what's the other one? Oh yeah, watch a movie. Yeah. So yeah, and we've already got a couple in there, and I'm going to be reviewing those on Patreon in a full video review. I might mention it in the episode as well. Mm -hmm. Come October. Yeah. So until next time, Spencer. I think this is where we shake hands. Oh, what? What are you doing, Joel? Why are you shaking hands with him? Now that we know who you are, I know who I am. I am not a mistake. It all makes sense. In a comic, you know how you can tell who the arch-villain's going to be? He's the exact opposite of the hero. And most time they're friends, like you and me. I should have known way back when. You know why, Spencer? Because of the listener. They called me Mr. Family Friendly.
in brightest day and blackest night. No evil shall escape my sight. Let those who worship evil's might beware my power. Green Lantern's light. light. Oh, Nerd alert. <laughs> Space turtles. It's yo. a fighting game, mother. Yo, yo, yo. Granola. Yo, yo. Granola. Jake, I'm ready Jake, to go. What, what's your rapper name, J Jacob Rogers? Granola. Obviously, that's why I can't call me that. <laughs> wow. Your rapper name I've is never granola. seen a white yeah, man. I'm the whitest guy ever, right? <laughs> I'm going to not be granola. Wait, how does granola mean white? White people eat granola. Supposed to add that in post. <laughs> there that's, you go. that's what that was. No, it was, yeah, it was so after. good. I couldn't tell the difference. So wrong. I need the real thunder sometime. There's no wrong answer. Why are you holding a knife? I always need a luck dragon. Everybody needs a luck dragon. You don't get a luck dragon. You get a goblin king. <laughs> Introducing Jake to comics. Yes. Not your kids. I brought some tonight that I could show you afterwards. Kids? This, Wait, when did Marvel Timely comics. comics come out? This is about 1941. Doesn't seem very timely. Oh. <laughs> We're in the golden age now, boys. Enjoy it, fellas. We're in the golden age of comics. Draw a cigarette in Superman's <laughs> hand. The golden age of comics. He ages so well. He does. What was he? Just he was supposed to be a mutated Wolverine. A short Canadian. Hey, bub. Hey, hey, bub. Teen Titans. Titans go. Yeah. What? No. I, I've never no. heard of that. <laughs> That's blasphemy. But I've, I've heard of the Teen Titans. Wait, Speedy wait. got a heroin addiction? Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wait. Why couldn't it be cocaine? <laughs> what, what year was this? <laughs> or meth? This He's great on Family Guy. Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> that physically hurt me. They're you know. the toughest third graders on the class. <laughs> well, if I don't do drugs because I can't afford it. Oh, Walking Dead. Jacob! <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> I think he's a ghost. <laughs> yeah, right. Good thing I have no comic books over there.